and welcome to Thumbing Through Yesterday, the podcast where we take our favorite books off the shelf, dust them off, and remind ourselves why we love them. My name's Tom Galley. Joining us today, we've got Tony Pasculi. Thank you, Tom. Always a pleasure. And today, we're talking about one of my favorites, I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. So, standard question, why is this one of your favorites? I mean, it was a fun read. I enjoyed this book quite a bit, but why is it your favorite? Or well, one of your favorites? As you say, it's a very fun read. Um, uh, uh, there were quite a few problems with it that I think I have willingly overlooked <laughs> just because I remember it's such a good book. Um, what I love the most about this, well, there are two things I think I love the most about this. One of them is the fact that the hero of the book turns out to be the villain. Yeah. Um, which is a, a turn that's hard to do successfully and is done very rarely. Agreed. Um, and the other one, and this is one of the places where my memory betrayed me a little bit, um, but uh, my, my, my image of the book is that uh, this, this is the Venn diagram that, oversects, uh, that uh, intersects uh, my fascination with broken characters and your fascination with the hyper-competent hyper character, <laughs> um, although he was nowhere near as hyper-competent as I remembered. But I love the fact that in his isolation, he ultimately turns to... I'm going to learn to be a scientist. I'm going to learn to, to yes. understand this thing and defeat this thing. Although, although I found his scientific turn a little questionable, not, not the motivation for it or the fact that he was doing it. I just didn't find his scientific explanation things very plausible. Uh, well, I don't think yeah. that Richard Matheson did a whole lot of deep diving research on, on <laughs> this. I think he found some cool scientific sounding terms that were vaguely related to bacteria and just rolled yes. with it. Yeah, but it was fun. It was a, it was a good read. It was uh, it was really entertaining. It was you know I've I've seen a couple of movies based on the book, and this is very different, as you said, from all of the from all of the movie versions. Yeah, um, yeah. it's um, and it's definitely it feels like a product of its time. It feels like old school science fiction, in a way. Yeah. So this. Um, <clears throat> I was just reading before we came in here. He died in 2013. This was the vampire novel of the year in 2011 or 2012. Really? Yeah. That's surprising for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I okay, my overwhelming impression of this book is that it's not, no matter what he says, a vampire novel, it's a zombie novel. Okay. It's just, it's weird to me that Matheson chose to make them vampires instead of zombies because it fits so cleanly into the zombie genre and they behave so much like zombies in every way, except for the fact that there's this religious stuff associated with them, which also turns out to be a, a mental thing, which I didn't find very satisfying. But it's a, it's a siege. It's a siege novel, primarily. Mm -hmm. And those are zombie novels, not vampire novels. Vampire novels are hunt novels. Uh, it's, very, it's very different. Yeah. That it is. No, so supposedly he's... Uh when asked where he came up with the idea, mm -hmm. um, he saw the movie Dracula and he thought, well, that's scary. How much scarier would it be if everyone <laughs> in the world were vampires? Okay. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so that's interesting. That apparently is where it came from. Yeah. Have you read a book called The Girl with All the Gifts? No, I don't think I've read that one. Ah, damn. Okay. Because uh, to me, The Girl with All the Gifts feels like an update of this novel. Okay. It's a zombie. It's my favorite zombie novel and one of my favorite novels of recent years. Uh, so it's not going to show up on this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Ten years from now, if we're still rolling, yeah. Uh, I highly recommend it. I won't spoil it for you since you haven't read it. Uh, strongly urge that you read it. If you like this, you will like that. 
And in a lot of ways, this is, it's the girl with all the gifts is just a strict update of this, uh, in, in ways that I don't want to ruin for you, but it fixes a lot of the issues. It's a much more modern novel. It's, I think it's much better paced and it's zombies instead of vampires. And there's a lot more sort of logic to it. Uh, yeah, but it's amazing. All right. I'll put that on the to read list. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, I don't know, I just, I just really enjoy the exploration of this guy and the exploration of the world. And, and I love the fact, you know, it does the little trick where we, we take breaks to jump into the future. Um, although not all that far into the future, but still, you know, we, we, we skip months and then we skip years. Um, you know, it goes from barely keeping it together alcoholic to mm -hmm. a completely dispassionate vampire killing machine yeah um and then his he's torn down by of all things you know a woman yeah uh that to me was the most interesting part of the book and and so i had a couple of issues with the pacing in this book i mean and i want to say i say issues but they're not issues it's just my preferences what i would have wanted to see uh and i would wanted to see more of that part of the book and less of the earlier part of the book i thought that part was really really strong um, the, uh, I don't know how much you want to spoil this book for people. Uh, I, I assume they've probably <laughs> read it by now. It's been on the shelf for a little while. It's been on the shelf for 78 years. Wait, is that right? 2020? No, 70, 72, no, 68 years, <laughs> 68 years. It's been on the shelf for a while. <clears throat> Go read it. Uh, yeah. So, so she turns out to be a, she turns out to be a mole. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That is genius. That's a genius idea. That was so genius that I felt kind of robbed that it was just a little almost episode at the end of the novel and not more of the novel. You know, I, I would have liked to see that whole relationship teased out and, and spent more time on because that was really riveting. Yeah. It would have been interesting to, to see how that could have played out differently. Yeah. Right. Had she not hit him on the head? How had he accepted the fact that she was a vampire? And yes. Um, well, but and then given that, you know, I would have liked to have seen. Now that we know that there are, <clears throat> there are sort of there are dumb vampires, and there are smart vampires. Or, you know, it's weird. He makes this distinction between living and dead vampires. Uh, yeah. This now this is one of the areas that I, I have issues. <laughs> he, he dances around with some stuff. So we, we know that anybody that dies of the disease yeah. um, will reanimate. Yes. Right? Because his wife dibs herself out of the grave and comes back. Yeah. Um, he's never specific about whether or not somebody that was dead to start with and somehow gets exposed to it will be reanimated. But apparently live people can be infected, behavior modified, um, yeah. and have all of the symptoms and all the weaknesses, but... They're still just not yet dead. Undead. Yeah. 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 That was weird. That's a weird, that's a weird departure. Uh, yeah. But, um, but given that, given that, and that she's one of the smart ones, I would have liked to have seen more of the smart ones and that vampire society. I mean, she talks about it a little bit, but I mean, that's incredible. I don't know. Did he write a sequel to this book? I'm not aware of one. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, I'm not aware of one either, but I mean, that's. The obvious place to go for a sequel, you know. We just want to just want to know what these what these smart vampire society looks like, how it's organized. What do these people think, and what do they do? Yeah, yeah. What do they eat? Yeah. Who yes. do they? Who is left for them to eat? Yeah. Well, they're they're cannibalizing each other, which is unpleasant, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. But they've got some sort of technology coming along, right? They've developed yeah. this pill, which yeah. he kind of gives us reason to believe is actually not the reason they're getting better or getting smarter, mm-hmm. right? Because his... Uh, he's got the statement in there, you know, I had read it over and over again, but I never really thought about it. Bacteria can mutate. Yes. Um, so it may well be that despite the fact they've created this medicine, it's actually irrelevant um, to I whatever the disease has become. that it was, you know, sort of, I mean, it's not a natural progression, but there's something that happens with diseases that they tend to be less destructive of their hosts. So they over can, time, yeah. Yeah, so, so that, you know, more of the vampires were surviving more easily with fewer side effects were negative side effects of the disease as as time went on the bacteria mutated yeah so so eventually yeah. that's just going to be you know get rid of him and then uh and then we have a whole brave new world of of vampires and this is life now yeah yeah so but yeah i just i love the fact that he has become the thing that goes bump in the day <laughs> yeah. right the, the thing yes. that comes when you're asleep and defenseless the thing that, yeah. that slaughters without mercy uh yeah. and it's not even a bedtime story to tell your children it's real yeah. You know, yeah. So the, the idea of the masses surrounding the jail and, you know, the, the hush that falls over the crowd when he looks out the window. Yeah. That really resonates with me. I really like that image. And that's that's something they have gotten wrong every single time <laughs> they've tried to commit this thing to film. I don't think I saw the Will Smith version, but isn't that something that happens in that version? The Will, No, the no? Will Smith okay. version is awful. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's it's genuinely awful, but they're the the vampires are CGI creations that would make you happy because they look a lot more zombie than yeah. vampire, and they are mindless, running, shrieking, blood curdling beasts. Yeah. Um, with a little bit of animal intellect, they actually managed to set a trap for him at one point. Um, mm. You know, but again, at the end of the movie, well, I don't want to spoil it for you. If you, I was gonna watch it, I could bring myself to watch a Will Smith movie. It's gotta give it some time. It's not a good movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It won't make you think any better of Will Smith. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they get absolutely everything wrong. Um, you know, and they did this. I mean, the, I saw um, The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price is probably the closest adaptation. Um, and then The Omega Man, of course, with Charlton Heston. Yeah. How can we miss that? Um, but again, they, they, they change it to try and make the character more important. Yeah. Um, they, they want the character to be the savior of humanity and they want humanity to be, to, to be worth saving, yeah. you know, and that's like the anti-point of it's the, the book. the opposite of the book. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Charlton Hessen, I think comes from that period of Hollywood where if you get a star of that caliber, he's like, you got to make me the hero. Otherwise I'm not doing the movie. So yeah, it could well be. Yeah. Something William, William Goldman talks about a lot in his books, you know, it's like, well, I think we need a scene in this movie where the secretary comes on to me. It's like, why? It has nothing to do with anything. It's like, because. Because <laughs> of me. It's, yeah. This is my life, right? We've got to show that he's sexually virile. It's like, but we don't. He's a newspaper reporter. He's Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, caused by a vampire bat. Yeah. That resonates a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, the idea that he got bitten, that mm-hmm. he got a, a mild version of the infection early on in its evolution. Um is it was just jumping species? Okay, I can yeah. kind of buy that, but really, a nope. vampire bat. Oh, it's the spawn of vampirism. Uh, I actually had less trouble with that than I did with the other thing. That the vampirism was only pseudo vampirism. That it was a 
because it was a strictly biological vampirism, but he still wanted to drag in all the tropes from Dracula, mm -hmm. that he dragged them in very clumsily by saying it was a sort of a psychosis. It's like, oh, I've turned into a vampire, therefore I must be afraid of process. Which I actually liked that. Really? Yeah, oh, that's fascinating. I, I liked the fact that, <laughs> that you know, the human psyche being so fragile and, of course, probably brain damage occurring with the, mm -hmm. the, the bacteria and the death and whatnot. But the idea that he, he watched somebody leap off of a lamppost as, as if they could fly. Yeah. You know, um, and the, the idea that it occurs to him to hang a Jewish star outside instead yeah. of a cross and see what happens or... I did like his experimentation with that. That was fun. But I, you know, even if you buy that idea of psychosis, that's not going to be a mass thing. That's going to be a very individual thing, depending on how much people subscribe to that particular religious belief, how invested they are in the vampire myth. Yep. To make it a universal trait, uh, it was just, yeah, it was too, that, that might too be, much for me. Yeah. yeah. There, I mean, there definitely should have been a very large population of agnostic vampires. Sure. For whom, yeah. you know, sunlight and garlic and steaks were a deal, but nothing else was. Yeah. yeah. And perhaps uh, his neighbor, what was his name? Ben Oh, the guy Portman. that keeps... Yeah, Ben Portman. <laughs> Might have been that, right? Yeah. Yeah, he seemed like a creature of habit. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a nice touch where at the end of the book, he's actually rooting for Ben. <laughs> yeah, so this is also a very short book, too. Uh, it was a fast, fast read. It was a fast read. I like that. I, it's sort of the opposite of our next choice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's always, that's always a treat. I, I, like a, I, like a, I like a book that knows what it wants to say and says it and gets out of there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate books that are the length they need to be. Yes. Um, I don't have anything against a good long book as long as it is, in fact, a good long yeah. book. Yeah. Um, the Silmarillion is not a good long <laughs> book. <laughs> it is a long book, but that's, you know. Well, it's, I've never read the Silmarillion, but my understanding is it's just a reference book that was turned into a, uh, pretty a marketing. Much. It's, it's not unlike reading a, a textbook on history or sociology yeah. or something yeah. like that, but yeah. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, this held up well for me. I mean, like I said, my, my memory had reshaped the structure a bit, and it had certainly reshaped some of the characteristics of our hero a bit. But overall, um, uh, I, this is why I like the book. The, the fact that you, you've got this, what you think is going to be a survivor novel, mm -hmm. right? Uh, only to find out at the end, no, this, okay, survivor novels, the guy can still die, but he's the bad guy, you know? And, yeah. And, Again, we've talked occasionally about working the, the title of the novel into the text of the novel. Yes. How, how perfect was it? The last three words of the book, yeah. I am legend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to make that, I mean, that coinciding with the twist, you know, not that it's like, you have to understand the twist to appreciate the title. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it just takes on a completely different uh, flavor once you've read the book. Yeah. So uh, I have, I only had a couple notes on this book, uh, very, very few. One was about the, um, oh, <clears throat> his justification, which we talked about a little bit. Such traumatic shocks could undo what mind was left, and such shocks could explain much, the cross, first of all. That, so, yeah. you know. Well, he, uh, you know, now we're established he's not the best scientist out <laughs> yeah, there. He's, um, he's not. He goes to quite a leap with the bacteria, too. He's like, oh, wait a minute. But then I thought about bacteria. Boom, that must be it. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
Uh, I assume if we had another hundred pages of him slowly <laughs> schooling himself, um, yeah. you know, I don't think that would have added anything. It depends. I mean, I don't think Matheson was the guy to do that. If if Andy Weir was going to write a version of this novel, that absolutely we would yeah. want to see that. Yeah. It's like, oh, take us all the way through it, Andy. <laughs> Tell us about all your pipettes. Yeah. Uh, I would love that. I love his detail. <laughs> all the <Yeah>. pipettes. <laughs> he mentions having pipettes. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, we did get a little bit of that when he's learning to work, to, uh, work with the microscope. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it takes him a while to, to learn how to use a microscope. He's, right. he's he, First he gets it. a crappy microscope, and then he gets frustrated. So he goes and buys, a, or not buys, but goes and gets a book on microscopes before he goes to find another microscope. Yeah. And forces himself to be systematic all the way through that. That is a thing I have done, is actually smashing the, smashing the slide when you get your uh, eyepiece too close. We've your all objective done that, lens, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, although I don't know if I don't know if people do that anymore. Nowadays, microscopes are all digital. Yeah, you just put a, like a, a super macro lens very close to the thing, and it, you blow it up, and you're looking at it on the screen. Hmm. Yeah, so at least all the ones that I've seen recently. How disappointing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember hours of fun in, you know, in my bedroom <laughs> with my little microscope kit. But yeah, the the very first thing I did, you know, stick a slide, turn up to the highest magnification, put my eye to the thing, and start as cranking. As possible. And then there's a crack. <laughs> And of course, that particular slide ended up being one of my favorite slides. You know, so <laughs> cracked or not, I kept it around. Nice. Uh, the only other highlight I have is a quote like Clarence in his Malmsey. Uh, I had I to look up what a Malmsey was. <laughs> yeah, it's a wine, apparently. Mm -hmm. I thought this was a reference to um, the Casco Amontillado, but of course that's, you know, the post story. But of course that's Amontillado and not Malmsey. But Clarence was the Duke of Clarence who was drowned in wine. He was executed in wine. Oh, see, I didn't get that far. I just wanted oh, yeah. to know what Mom's he was, and then <laughs> yeah. I moved on. Yeah. But, yeah. Fun, yeah. obscure little reference. <laughs> A little bit out of place in, in this guy's mind, I think, because there's, there's absolutely nothing else in his character that hints at any level of culture or higher education. Yeah, that's why it stood out to me. That's why I also why I assumed it was Poe. Poe would... Poe would fit very naturally yeah. in the story. Everybody's been exposed to a little Poe. Yeah, but English history, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know. The, I guess I should back up a little bit. His musical choice shows, you know, culture and that sophistication. Is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, and he even takes a moment to, to be, you know, disparaging of the young lady's musical choice when, <laughs> you know, she grabs an album and puts it on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Rollicking fun read. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much more to say about it other than I wish you had read uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. So we could talk about the uh, amazing and obvious parallels. I'll write that uh, down. M.R. Carey, I believe, is the author. All the Gifts. Uh, formerly known as Mike Carey. Uh, he's the guy that wrote the Lucifer comics in the Sandman universe. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you read those. He went to Neil Gaiman and he said, I love what you're doing with Sandman, and I would like to write a spinoff. Uh, you know, what, what character would you suggest? And he said, you know, he was thinking, you know, one of the other Endless, and uh, Gaiman said, Lucifer. Like, okay, yeah. All right, then. Yeah, that's an amazing run of comics. So, what's up for our next edition? Uh, next up, we have a Stephen King novel. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't tackled King before now. Speaking of the opposite of, of lean and mean, uh, and it is called Hearts in Atlantis, which is a huge sprawling book. We're just going to do one part of it, the actual novella called Hearts in Atlantis.
All right. We'll see you all in two weeks. In two weeks. <laughs>